Welcome to day 246 of Shaped by the Word. Uh, we're in our third season together, The Story of the Prophets. I'm Paul here with Katie, uh, David, and Matt. Uh, as we continue working our way through the prophets, which are a wonderful transition uh, from the Old Testament, the heart of the Old Testament story to the New Testament story, uh, where we see the expectation of a coming Messiah and the reign of God on earth and the restoration of all uh, creation. Come to the prophet Obadiah today. Obadiah is a little unique, and he's pronouncing his uh, prophecy not against Israel, as Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel will do, uh, but against Edom, one of Israel's neighbors. And of course, Edom uh, is descendants of Esau, mm-hmm. so there is a, a strong relationship, kinship relationship that is going all the way back to Jacob and Esau, a love-hate relationship, mm-hmm. and it continues to this day, and God is finally calling them into account, and by calling them into account, calling all of the nations into account as well. Uh, this is the shortest book in our Old Testament, uh, you know, with its 21 verses, so we will do the whole book of Obadiah in one sitting here today. Before we read, as always, uh, what a privilege to have uh, the words of the prophets, the Torah, the story of the Old Testament, and of course, the story of the New Testament, the letters uh, the early apostles wrote to the churches and all of these uh, point to Christ and enrich our understanding of Christ, our desire to know Christ and be transformed in his image. So we've come to scripture as a gift to us from God and as a instrument through which God continues his work in our lives. So we always pause and offer ourselves in the moment to the Lord. So Katie, you mind lifting us up with a word of prayer? Not at all. Let's pray. Father, we do um, we do thank you for your word and specifically for the prophets, God. Um, I think this year, just studying the prophets, I've I've just experienced um, the blessing that they are, and that you have chosen to warn your people. You've chosen um, to have on on paper all of these things that you said would happen. Um, you said would take place and and they have. And uh, we can hold on to these promises that you've given us. We can look back and see how you uh, accomplish your purposes and um, and that you're just full of you're full of grace and you're full of mercy. Um, so would you remind us of that today? Would you, um, Holy Spirit, would you be at work in us as we open your word together? And would we, um, walk away from your word and and not forget immediately um, what it says. Um, but would we walk away from it being doers of your word because of your work in us? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, Rise, let us go against her for battle. See, I'll make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live on the clefts of the rock and make your home on the heights. You who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I'll bring you down, declares the Lord. If these came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau has been ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. All your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive you and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. 
Then that day declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, those of understanding in the mountains of Esau? Your warriors, Teman, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountain will be cut down in the slaughter. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob, you'll be covered with shame. You'll be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. Should not glit over your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction, nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor gloat over them in their calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. The day of the Lord is near for all nations. As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Just as you drink on my holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they had never been. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance, it will be holy, and Jacob will possess his inheritance. Jacob will be a fire, and Joseph a flame. Esau will be stubble, and they will set, fire on, and set him on fire and destroy him. There will be no survivors from Esau. The Lord has spoken. People from the Negev will occupy the mountains of Esau. People from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistines. They will occupy the fields of Ephraim and Samaria, and Benjamin will possess Gilead. This company of Israelite exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zarephath. The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Zarephath will possess the towns of the Negev. Deliverers will go up to Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord's. And of course, there's a beautiful end you know, mm-hmm. to all of that. See a natural okay. you know, transition uh, in the middle in the middle of this, where it you know, talks about the day of the Lord. Verse fifteen is near for all nations, and, and so in one sense, Edom stands as a representative of all the nations that will one day give an account to the Lord. God is sovereign not only over the people of Israel and will call them to account. But he is sovereign over every nation, and every nation, every individual, every human will one day stand before him and give an account. And so the day of the Lord is is that thing, both the Lord's judgment on the earth and his salvation for his people. And we can either know him in judgment or know him in salvation hmm. uh, through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm struck by just the power of their the, their passivity and how um, offensive their passivity was to the Lord. Um, I think often we we feel like, oh, if I'm being passive, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of being neutral. But it doesn't seem that that was that way to God. You know, he saw that they did not do anything um, except for maybe even boast um, against the Israelites. Um, so they didn't do anything to to help the Israelites when they were being taken over um and that was a huge offense to the lord yeah the, and there is both a you know a positive you know and, and a negative you know that they did uh, they did not treat the fugitives well and they did you know they did hand over the survivors but but you're right that you know part of it is just that as as a kinsman uh rather than coming to the rescue of their kin that they're they're gloating over mm-hmm. uh you know their downfall and, and that's certainly you know uh, when we you know, pray the confession prayer from the Book of Common Prayer. You know, we often pray, you know, uh, about, uh, you know, a sin against the Lord in word and thoughts and deeds and the things that we have done actively, mm-hmm. you know, treating the fugitives poorly and the things that we've done undone, not mm-hmm. coming to the rescue or the aid, you know, of a fellow brother 
or, or sister when we see them in suffering. Of course, and that's the heart of uh, that's the heart of the lesson mm-hmm. of uh, the Good Samaritan as well. But uh, the religious people walked idly by when mm-hmm. someone was in distress, and not just the passivity, but you know, it starts with telling us about Edom and and their pride and. Mm-hmm. And how the pride of their heart deceived them. You know, they said, who can bring us down to the ground? And the Lord's like, I'll bring you down to the ground. <laughs> and you kind of read that about Edom. And you're like, oh, man, Edom, how terrible. But in that transition you talked about, you know, in verse 15, where they become that example to all the nations. And we realize it's not just that they have a pride issue, but that the nations, the people, all of humanity has that pride issue. And obviously that theme's talked about so much throughout the scripture of right. Of, of the pride being brought down low and those that do actually humble themselves given graciously in Christ to that exalted status that is completely undeserved. But you'd see that dynamic playing out so much as we've read the prophets. Right. And, and Edom, you know, soars up over, over the Dead Sea. So it rises, you know, from Dead Sea, which is below sea level, you know, to about, you know, 5,000 feet. So it is kind of impressive, yeah. you know, in, in, in the background. And there's a lot of just nice little cavernous you know crests you know that move up in there where it'd be hard for you know a conquering army to move mm-hmm. in and you could easily pick them off and so you have here you know an example of you know how can anybody possibly touch us uh, you know we're a small nation who cares we have you know the fortified cities you know who cares but you see a theme that you know we've seen in the rest of the prophets of you know just individual pride here you see a theme of national pride and of course, that's certainly you know something we need to be aware of, as well. That our security lies in, you know, our national identity and who we are, and, and what we are, and the resources you know that we have, mm-hmm. and uh, we can look to you know look not only to allies around us and resources and wealth and things that we have, but also our identity as a people, and then exalt that you know above the Lord as well. Yeah, a few months ago we studied Obadiah with students, and one of the interesting things that um, as you're you're studying it, and you think about that relationship between Jacob and Esau, and you know later Israel and um, Edom, is it gets carried forward into the New Testament. It's always a you know this like struggle of conflict, and we see that in the first you know couple pages of Scripture where that you get that great conflict. But when you get to Jesus's time, we see that Herod was an Edomian, which you know is the region of Edom. And so even there, you know, what we see kind of prophesied here, this conflict between brothers, you talked about that kinship relationship where, you know, Edom should have been, right, kind of in the order of God serving Israel and, and, you know, loving its brother. Instead, you see this conflict between the two that ultimately ends up in the New Testament where we begin to see Herod, you know, rather than recognizing rightfully who Jesus is, seeks to even there overthrow in his pride, overthrow and kill Jesus. And so we're seeing that tension, but even that last verse of, you know, and the kingdom will mm-hmm. be the Lord's, you know, how will that come about? Well, it'll come about through the, the son mm-hmm. who overthrows Edom. Yeah. And, and of course this is, you know, one of the times that the kingdom looked least likely, yeah. you know, this is in the wake of the destruction of the city of Jerusalem, destruction of all of the walls, the destruction of the temple. Uh, so, you know, the promises of a coming kingdom and a reigning king seem, uh, you know, the Davidic, you know, line has been wiped out mm-hmm. and is taken into exile seems so unlikely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, the very you know, people are hanging on by a thread. But even in this, God said, my purpose in this is, you know, as you referred to a while ago, David, to to humble you and then after humbling you to to restore you. And, uh, you know, a great picture of, you know, of the gospel. But it's a hope that comes 
you know, not because the people are in a vibrant, you know, place where they're following, you know, following the law of the Lord and are living according to his principles. It comes when they're helpless and, and next to dead, which is, again, a picture of the gospel. <laughs> Even though we were dead in our transgressions and sins, God made us alive in Christ Jesus. So it is the work of the kingdom, it is a work of the Spirit, and it's a also symbolic of the work that takes place in our life. We're not mm-hmm. symbolic, representative, bigger than bigger than a symbol, mm-hmm. uh, and all of that. David, do you mind closing us with a word of prayer? No, let's pray. And Father, we do ask you would keep us um, from having hearts of pride. Um, may you do the work only you can do in our hearts uh, of humbling us to see ourselves for who we truly are, and then to see you for who you truly are. And in that, may you do a great transformative work of opening the eyes of our hearts to see you, behold you, uh, to love you, and to live for you. We praise all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mm-hmm.